So crickets can be heard in the background, and the window is even shut this time. I'm uncertain about whether or not I should turn down the microphone or open the window. And since I'm sitting down to record this, just try to just to try to force myself to to get into the groove of this task. I'm just I'm gonna just take off, I'm not gonna worry about the crickets. And I hope you will be on board with that. The the big reason for that is that I know that there's there's maybe five or six episodes worth of ideas that have laid themselves out to me at different times and that I'm not ready to get to each one of them. And I also don't have those ideas fresh in my mind, ready to, to speak about at the moment. And, and so a great part of the task is to simply record. You know, if I were trying to write a book, the task would be to write, just to sit down and write and write. You know, and if you fall short of 1,000 words per day, then you fall short. You know, if you if you need sixty thousand words to put together a novel or a meaningful nonfiction, then you 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 need it. But in order to get there, you have to sit down for sixty or seventy or ninety days to write those words down, then pare them back down to sixty thousand words, whatever it may be. And the same is with many other things in life, such as trying to record podcasts especially from the cuff, yeah, uh, you know, and, and a lot of other podcasters have that task much more simple than I do because I'm, I am trying to do it from the hip versus writing out a script, which many quality podcasters do. So that's, that's a great part of the task. And so here I have to sit down and, and try to get across some meaningful ideas to you and, and hopefully do it in a way that it engages you and inspires you to, to, to tune in to the upcoming episodes. Because I think that even, you know, even if you find that this episode is not, you know, is underwhelming, (laughs) uh, it's leading to something that I think will be overwhelming perhaps, or, or if not overwhelming, challenging, and a interesting perspective. A reminder here, I'm recording this to tentatively be episode 25, I think. And that is without episode 21 being published. I'm still only three quarters of the way through recording episode 21. And I have to get back into the groove to, to finish that episode. And, and that is... All happens to be something that I would consider, I do consider groundbreaking content. And I'm not sure that I have articulated it all in a way that is, it's not smooth. It's not, it's not a clean, concise essay. And, and while that is definitely not the essence of what this show is about, there would certainly be something useful about laying ideas out in that way. And, and 
This is more about trying to get the ideas out on the table, such as that, I, such as I'm able. You know, one of the one of the way things that this has allowed me to do is to overcome elements of perfectionism, overcome toxic superego, in order to just try and put my best foot forward into the space of ideas that I think are worth sharing. Scratch that. Not my best foot forward, but but to put my foot forward and and hopefully not put my foot totally in my mouth in the process. And and even if I do, hopefully I find a listenership which is more interested in in the forward movement of ideas than taking offense to challenging ones or just you know my my insensitivities or, or momentary lack of word choice finally i'm pretty sure that i have ruined some many minutes or hours of content that i've published by using a function in the audio recording software that that truncates or shrinks down the periods of silence and and I've done I've just I've just ruined a bunch of audio by having the sensitivity be too uh, acute so that it, it's it's uh, destroying words that I'm saying too quietly it's just it's just erasing them because it's sensing them as silent and I've also made the gaps between certain words too narrow and I don't know if I will find a way to to unearth that content without those mistakes made. I'm going to probably have to try because I know that I've put forth a lot of uh, really valuable things, but 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 as I record them, I I pause. For instance, here is a two second pause. And, and because I can make a two-second pause or a five-second pause and, it, and it, it's more conducive to my flow of thought to merely pause rather than actually pause the recording and then try to, to edit it out very quickly, I have, you know, I've just tended to many times allow that two-second pause to happen. It's, it's perfectly natural and I it would take me quite a lot of time a half an hour or so to edit a an hour long audio if I if I were to just try to edit out those two second clips two second periods of silence but I wanted to mention that because I apologize I'm sorry that that is what is what has happened, and really, if you're a listener, I I would really appreciate you bringing the uh, that forward to me. If there's something that you missed out on, if there's an episode that you quit listening to because the audio just went to hell, um, and, and it was too frequent of an occasion at which you. You were missing words, perhaps missing entire sentences. I don't know. 
I, I'm not going back and listening to these episodes extensively, but occasionally in, in, my, in the midst of my process, I notice that, wow, this has probably happened, and that's a bad deal. So this evening, I'm going to be, I'm going to try to keep it fairly light, fairly quick, besides that eight-minute introduction, and, and talk about a, a rather serious subject from a from a frame of reference that I think puts it puts a it puts a serious subject into a familiar light and and that is we're going to look at a literary character and and some related characters and 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 go who who are his analogs in in the real world and I'm not going to go into depth with that. Actually, it's just it's just to point out that this character made made a lot of sense to the readers of this novel, who really enjoyed it, and 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 was representative of some real archetypal behaviors. You know. Um, or, or archetypal forms of people. It was. It was. His archety- he, he represented real existent behaviors in the world, and and that's why that's why this novel, Atlas Shrugged. It's part of the reason that Atlas Shrugged rung out so truly to so many people is that they they not only identified with the core beliefs of the antagonists but they rep- they, they recognized the corruption of the villains they recognized that yes yes the these elements uh, of these villains are real like it's a really strange there was a there was a tremendous effort to to paint atlas shrugged as uh uh, a Nazi, <laughs> you know, this this Nazi formulation. Whitaker Chambers has this, you know, the line about off to a gas chamber. It's like, man, you know, you get your own problems being a being a, a communist um, agent. But yeah, uh, <laughs> it's like, wh- where does anybody identify with that? Uh, right. So so there's on one side apparently a bunch of people recognize you know identify with that but on the on, on the on the side of people who who cherish atlas shrugged as a tremendous work of philosophy and of um, especially it, within that aesthetics uh, uh, so a work on on many levels of philosophy all levels of philosophy and 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 a, something that 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 helped us recognize and deal with the world, world around us the villains were an important part of that and and the chief villain in Atlas Shrugged is James Taggart brother of Dagny Taggart and president of the um, now I'm gonna blank out it what is it it's it's the Taggart transcontinental railway 
he's he's the president of the company and he is a, a rotten rotten person and i think that i'm going to record this episode mostly for self-titled objectivists and mostly for fans of atlas shrugged and so rather than getting into a dis- complete description of Jim Taggart. I want to go straight to the, the the conundrum that I see today and I've seen for years, which is that which is that if you if you're reading Jim Tag if you're reading Atlas Shrugged and you you think it's a great work of art because it says something about the world that we live in and and the the moochers as they're called the the leeches on the world of which Jim Taggart is one i find it rather strange that that a lot of people struggle to turn back to the reality that we live in it seems to me anyway and see these people existing and and to see them in that same light it's as if it's as if there are no jim taggarts existing now i'm 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 i guess i'm exaggerating just a little bit you know anybody who wants to look you know just just skin deep can find can find these people. Uh, years ago, Don Luskin wrote a book called I Am John Galt. And he talked about how uh, Angelo Mozillo, uh, formerly of Countrywide, was was a, just a prototypical I, um, Ayn Rand villain. And also, oh, who is that guy that worthless guy who writes quote-unquote economics uh, in the newspapers, you know, was a very good representation of, of Ellsworth Toohey. And, and these things are fairly simple. You can identify these people, but to a great extent, we, we, we're, we're overlooking the, the how, just how common Jim Taggart-like persons are. Just how common the Orrin Boyles and the Philip Larkins and uh, the Mr. Moens and and so on really are. It really doesn't come down to all of these companies being occupied uh, and extorted by government. So many people, and including, including. The Ayn Rand Institute want to worship personalities. I don't know if he had, actually has a personality, but, but uh, Jeff Bezos as an example. And this is in spite of the fact that, that Amazon has an overclose relationship with the government, especially via contracts with the CIA, which is which is the most nefarious single organization of government 
probably that has ever existed on the planet. It's just not widely understood that it is that way. And what would you like to compare it to? Mossad? Oh, well, a lot of people within you know my potential listenership would would argue that there's something you know wrong with me even suggesting that and hey look around look closely it's like is it is it really such a civilized country we're talking about okay what else do you want to compare it to you want to care to compare it to the the templar knights i mean like hey if we really have to go that far to make such a comparison it's it's not a good place to be. So so Amazon is heavily tied to the to the CIA, and and then we have Jeff Bezos being the owner of the Washington Post. Every time I click, or no no pardon me, I accidentally see a headline of the Washington Post. It's obvious just how filthy propaganda it is that we're talking about, and and that's all tied together now through one person. Amazon is very reliant on monopolization that is, you know, dependent more on the force of government than it is, let's say, a victim of that. Now, there's been much worship of Steve Jobs over the last 10, 15 years. And look, I, I don't really care. I, d- I, don't, I don't really care how innovative the, the iPhone or, or the iPad have been. Quite frankly, there's a, pro- a lot of reasons to, to look at those two inventions and go, wow, we've put, we've put our species at tremendous risk <laughs> because of these technologies. You know, we, we, are, we are overly dependent on them. And, and let's not separate the, the, the existence of those technologies as they are today from the factories from which they're described, or derived, I should say. Uh, derived is too light a word, even. You know, the, the, so, so Foxconn is this, you know, just this dark company from from which the the Chinese workers in these factories have to be protected against suicide by nets hanging off the sides of the factory buildings. Yay! Yay for iPhones! I'm so proud. I'm so so proud to have an iPhone. And and so the the point of this episode is that I, I encounter too much of a lack of recognition of the continued existence of Jim Taggart. It, when I tune into, or if I should, maybe I should say, if I were to tune into the Ayn Rand Institute broadcasts, on Facebook, for, for instance, or if I were to be on Twitter more regularly, and it, it, it would be sort of shocking to, to recognize the, the lack of recognition of, 
of the fact that we have these vultures upon humanity. Because it's not so simple as, oh my God, Amazon's creating value. It's not that simple. <laughs> it's, <laughs> oh, oh, two-day delivery. It's like, two-day delivery from where? And what is it? And, and, and what are the pollutants involved? And, and the list goes on and on. And these are non-trivial questions. And and what and, and at what cost to to society that that objectivists would actually like to have because we can talk all we want about anti-tribalism and like hey oh my god you know localism is tribalism because I was there once but finally what I realized is that is that whatever the benefits are of globalism they're 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 totally negligible compared to the costs associated if if they delete our ability to relate to one another there's no point there's no point in having a global economy if it is regulated by a shadowy cabal of ultra connected what is it what is it in in atlas shrugged there's a, there's a, there's a name for it but but you know the scenes you know the scenes from early on in 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 the book in which Jim Taggart and Oren Boyle etc they're they're uh, drinking in a basement dark bar on top of a skyscraper. All right, that's where we are. Then later in the book, he, he's at the, the, the meeting with the, um, the South American uh, authorities that are about to, to seize a bunch of property, right? So it's as if... It's as if, from my perspective, my, my vantage point of many objectivists and many uh, otherwise free marketeers, as Keith, Keith Weiner calls them, and, and uh, many free marketeers, etc., that, that it's as if these people, it's as if these backroom dealings did not exist to most of these people. Now, I, will, I'm gonna, I want to credit one acquaintance or friend of mine named Richard who who seems to be awake to to a, a, a certain at least a certain degree of what I'm saying that indeed these these shadow shadowy elements that are derogated uh, that or at least if, if you attempt to recognize, and, and speak about such things in public, you, you will be derided as a conspiracy theorist, which, by the way, is a, uh, an attempt to, to besmirch people who are too close, <laughs> pardon me, <clears throat> too close in their theorizations uh, about what is actually going on. That 
you know, it's, it's an attempt to to negate their theorizations by by throwing, well, just, I mean, I don't know. It, it was just vacuous. It was just vacuous two words, really, and then and, it, and it's really taken off. But again, CIA, they're, they're clever people. So I don't want to belabor this too much. The point is that that Jim Taggart lives. And it's really strange to me to that we don't we don't have this recognition. The the Ayn Rand Institute goes on and on about oh why why does Jeff Jeff Bezos get so much hate and hey you know this guy or that guy is creating such amazing things and it's like look it's just not that simple. There's, there's, there's hardly a major company, probably none that you can point to and say they are totally free of, of government involvement. Like they're not actually going out and seeking the, the involvement, the the leverage of, of fascism. There's probably there's 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 no company that that every potential listener will have heard of that you could say that about. I, I mean I'm I'm I'll be happy to be proved wrong, but but that's roughly where we are. And 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 look, that's fascism is where we are, and fascism is where we're going. The merger. It's the, it's that it's that fake it's that non quote of Mussolini which is accredited to him but but is not his which is fascism is the merger of state and business state and corporation and 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 whether or not he said that which apparently he didn't that is that is roughly that is a really good description and that's where we are and that's where we're going to get more of. Do you want that? Probably not. But, but, and so in the meantime, you, you, you must speak as if that's what's going on and you must speak specifically about it. That means calling Amazon on its crap. And, and I, you know, I myself need to do better about this, but it it means stepping away from Amazon economically. Uh, there's just so many things that that living in a small town, distant from a plethora of stores, it's just too easy to order from Amazon. Get it in a couple of days, because I, you know, frankly, I need the thing, whatever it is, and I, I'm I'm doing better about it, but it the it needs to go to zero or or to one percent of of what it has been, and. We need to look around and we need to speak fervently and and more than speak fervently, as I said, we need to act as if we we care about our micro communities and and stop letting them be destroyed by by globalist fascism. Because I mean it's like 
oh, but that's not such a thing. It's like, no, Jim Taggart is real. Did, did, the, did, did the reality that you felt when you read the book, was that, was that a thing or not? When you read about Jim Taggart, you read about Oren Boyle, when you read about Ellsworth Toohey, when you read about Gail Winant, for that matter, did it ring a bell to the life that you were living? Did it, did it shed light on your experience as, as a person in the 1990s, in, in the 2000s, and beyond, or, or in the 1980s, or, and, and before? Did, did it shed a light on reality? Because it rang true to your experience. Yes. Yes, it did. Of course it did. And so just look around because, because you know, in Atlas Shrugged, we have the convenience of showing up at those meetings between Jim Taggart and his cronies. In real life, we don't have the luxury of being at the meetings to see it. That doesn't, that doesn't make it any less likely that those meetings take place or that the equivalent of such meetings takes place doesn't mean that there's no conspiracy to control vast swaths of economic activity vast swaths of human action it's just that you you know you don't know where to look that you're not looking and 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 another element is that is that you don't necessarily know what a vast uh, conspiracy <laughs> or that you know to to control people would look like. You just think for a moment in closing. Think about think about those scenes. In which Jim Taggart is uh, bragging to his wife about these things, and he tells him, tells her, pardon me, that he's he or they are going to make them stop them, as in people at large, but but especially business people such as Hank Reardon and. So forth. It's going to make them stop. He can control things as easily as breaking a spine. And Cheryl, that poor woman, says, You want to break spines, Jim? Now, the, the retort of so many detractors, so many haters of, of Ayn Rand is that the characters are unrealistic. And I think that so much of that comes from an unwillingness to to face the fact that they're too real. And, and that they represent a, a negative and unattractive 
side of ourselves. Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, you know, the battle of, of between good and evil runs down the middle of every person. And, and some of us have a little bit easier time dealing with the bold evil in the, in the villains of Atlas Shrugged because we're, we're a little far more safely placed into the good side of that battle within ourselves. But we need to recognize, we need to recognize the other side of ourselves in order to fully recognize it elsewhere. We need to remember that James Taggart is alive. Maybe not well, but alive. This is one of the more scattered episodes I think that I have ever recorded. And with that, I'm going to call it an evening. Thank you for your time and your attention. And, and hopefully you will drop me a line. And, and I would love to hear from listeners about how they recognize Jim Taggart today. Thank you.